smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hi why not mint money is a daily podcast on personal finance that helps you get smart about managing money we help you understand basic money concepts to keep you from making bad money mistakes why not mint money is your one stop solution to money matters so let's get started welcome to your money journey Welcome folks uh today i have with me a very special guest vivek kaur who is the author of the easy money trilogy and uh several other articles on both macroeconomics which is a great passion of his and personal finance uh welcome vivek thanks neil for having me vivek so um in this uh, episode and over the next few sessions we will unravel personal finance for somebody who wants to understand the very basics so to begin with you know could we define what really is personal finance personal finance uh, i mean i i would start with saying that personal finance is uh, not just investing personal finance is a lot more uh, than investing because typically what uh, seems to happen these days is that you know a lot of people think that just because they are investing and saving the right amount of money they have a feeling that uh, they are doing what we can title as personal finance but that is really not the case so to to give you a very simple uh, example here so uh, so let's say you need a home loan to buy a house so how do you go about uh, figuring out what is the right amount of emi for you or uh, to put it uh, in uh, in in exactly the opposite way what is the amount of loan that the bank will be willing to give to you so this is a great example of personal finance or uh, take uh, something like credit cards a lot of people have uh, credit card outstandings and at the same time they have uh, money lying in their savings bank account uh, which gives them an interest of 3% uh, per month whereas uh, sorry 3% per year uh, whereas uh, at the same time you know they are paying an interest of greater than 20% per year on on their credit card outstandings personal finance as such is is about how do you go about handling the various aspects of money i mean not just the saving part of it but the spending part of it the borrowing part of it uh, the lending part of it and so on yeah i was just thinking something as basic as how much you should save every month for example i am a bit of a coffee addict and uh, i can't resist the more than twice a week starbucks trip and that usually blows my uh, my budget out of out of whack but i guess before i sort of set myself these goals i should know how much i really should be saving for my goals and for my retirement exactly i mean you know uh, not not just retirement to give you a very simple example uh, uh, a lot of people do not have uh, much idea about the total amount of money they end up spending every month now i mean obviously it cannot be an exact amount there will be uh, you know we are human beings at the end of the day we are not robots uh, but it makes good sense to have a basic feel of how much money are you spending every month so let's say 
you live in a rental accommodation so what's the rent you pay add that to your communication expense uh, your mobile phone expense expenses internet expenses going out uh, coffee in your case so there has to be a broad uh, ballpark number which uh, you know which which is uh, which you know about and that is the amount of money that you spend on an average every month because that will give you a good idea about how much can you save now if you want to save more obviously uh, you know the simple thing to do is to to realize is that you need to cut down on your expenses and if you are spending less i mean then you know go ahead and you can probably spend a little more so. So Vivek, if we could start with uh, the first building block of personal finance, which is having an emergency fund. So if you think back, have you been in situations where really you faced a massive unexpected expenditure and you just haven't had the money for it? I mean, that has never happened. But I had, a, in fact, I have a very, uh, I mean, I can't call it a sad story, but uh, it's, uh, so it basically, you know, when, when, uh when i did my mba i got a uh, as uh, you know uh, as a part of doing a, doing the mba i got a credit card from a foreign bank and i mean they gave me a credit card because i was doing an mba i mean there was no more uh, i didn't have any more credit worthiness uh, so to say now what happened was that after i sort of uh, completed my mba and i started up on my job i realized pretty soon that this is not what i wanted to do and and i quit and after i quit i didn't have uh, you know i mean I, i mean i didn't have any money in the bank and for a few months i just lived off of the credit card and until obviously the 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 bank obviously shut down the credit card and, and i mean and then a whole host of things happened now the point here is that uh, i mean i couldn't have saved as 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 a student but the point is that if i had had some money in the bank at that point of time obviously you know i wouldn't have ended up uh, maxing out my credit card and and one of the most stupid things that i ever did was that i borrowed cash or rather you know i went and withdrew cash using a credit card which is a very very i mean as anyone who's withdrawn cash using a credit card would know yeah uh, it is not the best thing to do because the interest really i mean the interest that that you need end up paying is is very very high so so essentially is, the meter starts ticking right away yes right away i mean it's not like you know when, when you Uh, spend money using a credit card uh, the interest there is an interest free period and only once that period ends does the bank start charging an interest but in case of cash the moment you withdraw the interest uh, you know the interest calculation starts then and there uh, so that is why it uh, you know essentially makes sense to have some money in the bank and uh, you know if if you look at uh, the last 18 months Uh, this has uh, you know uh, th- this has come out to the fore even more uh, uh, in in an even more clear way so uh, a, you know a lot of youngsters uh, have lost uh, their jobs and uh, and and you know they didn't have money in the ba- in the bank and you know that has created a lot of problems so basically uh, you know at a uh, you know when when you're starting it makes good sense to over a period of time over a period of couple of years uh, or 3 years to build uh, uh, an emergency fund of at least 3 to 6 months and uh, you know the the one reason i say this over and over again to uh, almost all youngsters uh, that i come in touch with is the fact that god forbid if you were to lose your job so money in the bank 
you know it obviously helps you survive but more than that it helps you make the right decision now uh, you know obviously when you lose your job you would start searching for another job and if you don't have money in the bank you're likely to take on the first thing that is offered to you which may not be something that you may want to do or which may not be uh, you know the best job going around so you are not in a position to negotiate at all whereas if you have some money in the bank uh, you are in a position to uh, wait it out a little and then make the right decision so which is why you know that's the if you know if there's one thing that people need to do is is uh, ensure that they have some money in the bank yeah so vivek you mentioned credit cards and on a side note i have to say i mean i studied law and i never got offered any credit card so uh, mbas have it easy from a very early stage i yes, would say but <laughs> no one makes the kind of money that lawyers do <laughs> so why did you end up in journalism you know <laughs> that's a whole different story we can <laughs> go into it some other time coming to credit cards um so we talked about withdrawals um you know withdrawing cash which is a big mistake Uh, but what are the other things that people should keep in mind when it comes to credit cards i mean see if you are the disciplined kind right and and i know a few people like that then credit cards are a good option to have i mean you can have two to three credit cards uh spend uh, money using credit cards and pay you know pay off whatever is outstanding before the due date so in that sense what you're doing is you're using you're not spending your own money right and your own money st- continues to be invested wherever it is and you Uh, essentially uh, use someone else's money free of cost uh, you know and and at the end of the day uh, you know end up earning a small return on your own money the problem is that you know this kind of discipline uh, is uh, very difficult to uh, maintain and at some point of time uh, we all uh, end up uh, end up uh, breaking it and and especially these days what is happening is you know every credit card comes with some offer you will have uh, some credit card which will get you that extra discount on swiggy uh, some other credit card will give you an extra discount when you're buying petrol or diesel and so on and so forth some other will lead to accumulation of points which will help you buy an airline ticket for free so the uh, you know the the i mean need is not the right word but uh, the 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 fact that there is there is so much on offer pushes people uh, to take on uh, more credit cards than they actually uh, require so i mean at best two to three cards is max that you can have or that you should have i mean you can have more than three cards uh, and also i mean as i mean paying up on time is very very important because uh, you know also also what happens is you know when people have multiple multiple cards they soon figure out that they can uh, rotate money you know basically move money from one credit card to another and that is a you know recipe for disaster because you know you may be able to run that uh, scam briefly but after a point of time uh, you will need to keep taking on more credit cards to ensure that uh, you know you're able to move money around so in the end it will become like a ponzi scheme so where you know you will have to keep ensuring that you have a new credit card on a very regular basis and ultimately it is bound to collapse so these are the few things that everyone should keep in mind uh, while taking on credit cards and essentially you need to resist you know beyond the second or the third card uh, you really don't need a fourth credit card so vivek our listeners are going to be very unhappy when telling them how to be good people and you know that's flying yeah, in I mean, the face of is a problem <laughs> i have i mean i don't seek excitement <laughs> in personal finance so that way i am a very boring person so right so we've talked about some things that you shouldn't do now one thing that 
everybody really should be doing uh, right off the bat is buying insurance, particularly term insurance. Term insurance is plain and simple, you know, insurance. Whereas if you buy any other insurance from any other insurance company and not just LIC, uh, it has an investment component in it. So what that basically means is that, you know, uh, if you sort of uh, give a particular premium or pay a particular premium every year, at the end of uh, X number of years, you will get a certain amount of money. Now, how that, um, you know, how that amount, how much you will get is determined uh, in various ways. Uh, Whereas in case of uh, term insurance, uh, only if you die uh, is your nominee going to get uh, the sum assured amount. Uh, So it is a pure uh, uh, insurance product. Now, uh, the problem people have buying this product in their heads is that, uh, you know, if they don't die, if they outlive the insurance, they are not going to get anything. And in that sense, uh, you know, the money is going to be wasted. Now, the money is not going to be wasted. You know, it is an insurance uh, that you're buying. It's giving you an option, which you wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, Also, uh, when you buy... uh, investment uh, mixed with insurance, uh, you end up with a very low uh, insurance amount or not uh, low is not the right word probably here. Uh, You end up with uh, uh, an an amount of insurance, which is probably not adequate for you uh, and your family. So it's very important to buy pure term insurance and keep paying, uh, you know, the premium over the term of uh, term of that insurance. Uh, Also, uh, uh, I mean, you know, it also depends on, see, not everybody needs to buy insurance. Single people who do not have any loans outstanding, whose parents are not dependent on on them or who do not have any other dependent uh, and who have paid off, let's say, all their student loans, home loans or whatever, they really don't uh, need insurance as such. Uh, Life insurance. Life insurance, life insurance. As So life insurance is basically, you know, required by uh, people who have dependents, who have uh, loans. Uh, so that is something that needs to be kept in mind. Also, you know, what happens in India is that insurance, uh, more than being insurance, is essentially a tax saving mechanism. And believe me, you know, I, fi- you know, I, I find people who have 15, 16, 20 insurance policies. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little here, but I know of a few people who have, uh, you know, uh, you know, at least uh, half a dozen or sorry, at least a dozen or more insurance policies. Now, what happens is they go out and buy a small insurance, uh, you know, every year because that helps them save uh, on tax. But that is a very, you know, stupid thing to do is because one is you have to keep track of all these things, right? You know, if you have 15 insurance policies, you obviously have to pay premium, have to pay a premium 15 times a year. Now, you know, with everything being online, it is easier as in comparison to earlier. But, you know, why do you want to keep track of 15 different products? So, so have keep separate, separate your insurance needs from your tax saving needs. Uh, that is a very important point that uh, a lot of people don't seem to get. So, so that is about life insurance. Uh, but one insurance policy that you should have is health insurance. Um, most people just take whatever their employer is offering and right. are content with it. And sadly, I count myself as one <laughs> of those people. Um, but ideally, one should look into this seriously and have the right amount of cover. Yes, I mean, so health insurance now, especially with whatever has happened in the last 18 months, uh, you know, the, the focus on health insurance has really gone up. And, uh, and you know, one thing that one uh, one obviously needs to keep in mind is is the fact that 
see the the insurance offered by an employer uh, is uh, valid only as long as you are an employee right and what happens these days is that people tend to take breaks within jo- uh, between jobs it's not you know in the old days you left a job on 30 30th and 31st and and you joined uh, the next job on first but these days typically people take tend to take a break of two weeks to four weeks which is pretty good i mean we all need to take breaks uh, at different points of time uh, so what if something happens you know uh, during the period you are between jobs so it always makes sense to have a health insurance uh, policy of your own i mean please have the company insurance policy as well but you know do get an insurance policy of your own and uh, and you know one problem that i encounter with health insurance and i mean i don't have a simple answer for this is that there are just too many kinds of health insurance uh, products out there and for a normal individual you know who has 20 other things to do in life it has become very difficult to figure out you know which is the right insurance to buy so so to give you a very simple example you know in case of uh, life insurance Uh, if i want to you know if i don't want to use my brain i can just simply go and buy a term insurance from a insurance company right i mean it is not the most uh, optimal decision but it is a fe- it is a good enough decision you know i might end up paying a premium which is slightly more than if i had done my research and gone to any other insurance company but it is a good enough decision if i want to invest in a mutual fund and i am all confused i can go and invest in an index fund right again you know we you know there are arguments on both sides but it isn't it's a good enough decision whereas when i want to buy a health insurance policy it has become very difficult to figure out as to you know which policy offers what and there are so many parameters so i think it is time that the health in- insurance industry got together and come and you know they came up with a a basic uh, insurance product which everyone sells and which is easy to understand yeah now moving from insurance to everyone's parents favorite investment which is real estate why does that traditional wisdom no longer hold okay i mean see uh, the answer to it is not very uh, straightforward now why uh, the question to why do our parents uh, love real estate is actually very simple uh, it is because uh, you know when they were making their money there were not many investment options going around uh there were barely any in fact the uh, the only mutual fund going around uh, or rather the only company going around which offered uh, a product which was uh, uh, as close uh, to a mutual fund as things could get was the unit trust of india uh so then uh, you know you had the option of buying lic policies and then you know you had uh, all the all the uh, you know you could do bank fds and uh, and there were all these post office schemes so that didn't really leave them with much of a choice so real estate automatically ended up in the scheme of things also uh, a lot of product uh, sorry a lot of people like to see things you know you they like to feel things touch and feel is a very important thing when it comes to people spending money so so that is something that is uh, in in the heads of a lot of people that you know i can see the land that i buy i can see the gold that i buy i can see the apartment that i buy but what is you know when i when i buy stocks i can't you know there is no touch and feel <clears throat> or seeing involved so that is something which is very important in the heads of uh, a lot of people now what has ha- happened is that over the years uh, you know so every every asset goes through its uh goes through a cycle so in in the last uh, i would say in the last 5 to 7 years uh real estate hasn't given you know uh 
great returns. In fact, uh, you would have been probably better off uh, being in a fixed deposit. Uh, you would have definitely been better off uh, if you had invested your money in a fixed deposit. Uh, so that and you know that is unlikely to change primarily because you know even though prices haven't gone up, uh, they haven't fallen as well. And uh, in and an average sort of flat in a big uh, Indian you know metropolitan city uh, still costs around forty to fifty lakhs now, and that is a lot of money. I mean, what people don't understand is that. Uh, in order to sort of buy a house which costs around 40-45 lakhs, you end up uh, taking a loan of around uh, 30 lakhs, and uh, and and you know the EMI on that uh, is 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 a significant amount which not many people can um, afford. Uh, so so the entire idea of buying real estate, uh, I think, as an investment is uh, is outdated. However, having said that, I mean, if you want to buy a house to live in. I mean, that is a perfectly uh, normal decision. And obviously, I mean, then you need to figure out that what is the kind of EMI you can afford to pay month on month, uh, how much down payment can you make, uh, whether you have enough money for stamp duty. Uh, in some cases, uh, there might be a black portion involved. Uh, and I mean, then, you know, obviously, you know, you can't just move into a house. Uh, there is some money that needs to be spent in order to make a house a home to live in. So all these factors uh, matter, and so you know to to sort of summarize the entire thing, uh, if you're buying a, a house, buy a house to live in. Uh, investment, unless you know, I mean, there are pockets, of course. There are uh, you know, India is a big country, uh, so there are pockets where there are good investments, even in real estate available, and and then there are people, uh, there are distressed sales happening. If you know, if all those exceptions are there, you know, you you can probably invest in real estate. I mean, I would also like to make another point here, uh, and this is something I get asked every time I say don't uh, invest in real estate. What about land? Now, land, you know, you get uh, uh, typically the amount of returns that you get in land is uh, significantly higher than if you buy, uh, you know, if you buy residential real estate. Uh, the problem with land in India is that, uh, you know, because uh, land doesn't depreciate, right? Sorry, because land doesn't depreciate, whereas buildings do. Yeah, and I mean. And what also happens is, you know, if you buy a land in a location which is just slightly outside the city, you get rural rates. And then that land gets categorized within the boundaries of the city and then the prices start to go up. So, which is the main reason, basically. But, you know, the problem with buying land in India is that, you know, the titles are rarely clear. Second, you know, you unless you live right next to where your land uh, is, the chances are very high that someone can come and uh, squat it on grows. that land and you can't do anything about it. Then there might be, you know, uh, you, you might have owned the land for many years and then, you know, some many years later, you might figure out there is another claimant on the land and then you'll end up in the court. So the risk factor is way too high. And for a normal uh, middle class guy, you know, who has, as I said, many other things to do in life, uh, land is not a great uh, idea. Too risky. So Vivek, uh, we've touched upon uh, some of the first principles of personal finance. Uh, there is, of course, a lot more ground to cover. Uh, there are areas such as mutual funds, stocks that people want to know more about and it's part of their financial journey. And that is something we will discuss in future episodes. Yes. But before we finish, could you sort of give people the essence of personal finance in as few words as possible. So, you know, uh, this is uh, many, many years back, I, I came across uh, this 
idea of uh, you know personal finance being expressed in just 87 words uh, by a gentleman called Scott Adams uh, Scott Adams is essentially uh, the creator of a comic strip called Dilbert and he's also a published author so he decided to write a book on personal finance and after he had sort of done his research he figured out that he could say everything that he wanted to say in one page and and nobody would buy a book uh, which sort of starts and finishes in one page so that's the long story uh, the short, uh, so he basically made some seven eight points which which i'm sort of going to repeat here uh, so the first make a will i mean if you are at that age in life where things can happen make a will pay off your credit cards get a term insurance if you have a family to support or if you have loans outstanding uh, fund your provident fund pension funds to the maximum buy a house if you want to live in and can afford it have a, you know an emergency fund of uh, at least 6 months whatever money that is left uh, you know buy uh, buy mutual funds using that money and he uh, suggests buying index funds not you know actively managed funds these are the basic points uh, that he makes and uh, you know we have discussed a lot of it today and and as you said we will uh, discuss a lot of it in 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 the episodes to come yes absolutely so there you go folks personal finance in as short uh, a time period as we can possibly manage but stay tuned there will be more to come thank you so much vivek for joining us today thanks for having me for listening in we're also available on livemin.com and if you're old school then do pick up a copy of mint for some insightful coverage if you have any questions you want us to address do reach us out at ht smartcast we are present on twitter facebook and insta and if you want to connect over email write into us at mintmoney@livemin.com until next time it's bye bye This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.